Alright, welcome back to the PlayStation Nation SideQuest Podcast. This is episode 16. I'm one of your party members, Andy. And uh, this week, we're not actually joined by Jason. So, Jason uh, had some real-life stuff going on, and he's decided to kind of step down from doing reviews and doing the podcast and whatnot. So, in his place, we have someone that, I guess, frequent podcast listeners might recognize, because he was on the PSX episode last year, and he's been kind of active in the Destiny clan. That's right, we've got Wyatt. Hi, everybody. So Wyatt's going to jump in here and do this with me. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself, tell us what kind of what kind of stuff you like, Wyatt. Yeah, it's, I'm frequent player of JRPGs and watcher of anime. I actually know Andy through our um, college anime club. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's... I mean, I play plenty of other games, adventure, action, uh, anything really that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So I guess we can uh, move right into the the news and stuff. One of the first things, I know we've both been playing this game. I don't know, did you have any issues with the uh, translation in East 8? Um, I mean, I guess I kind of noticed stuff, but the hilarious part is, like, with translation issues, I've watched so much fan-sub anime, my brain just sort of auto-corrects stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know it was kind of a big thing on the internet, especially since a different company is doing East 8 as opposed to the previous East games, and the translation was not entirely up to snuff. So NIS recently announced that they're actually going to do a localization fix, which is kind of unheard of. Um they're going to yeah. redo the entire uh, localization and then issue a patch. They're even going to re-record some of the English voices in order to make it you know, match up with the new localization. Yeah, that was actually kind of surprising to me. <laughs> yeah, I've, I mean, the only thing I can think of that's close is that uh, SAO game that was on the Vita. When they ported it to PS4, they did a, like, re- a pass on the localization and changed some stuff. But I can't think of many games where they actually like patched the game because people complained about how it was localized. Yeah, I mean, especially re-recording audio—that's that's pretty big. Yeah, well, I guess the PC port is still coming too, so they're kind of doing it to have everything ready for the PC port, and then just making sure that it all ends up in the Vita and PS4 versions. But I guess good on them for for fixing things. Yeah. And then the uh, TGS actually happened since our last episode. So that's obviously the big video, the conference in Japan. They announced a few things there. I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch the TGS stream? I watched some of it, but I didn't get around to fully watching all of it. But, I mean, I saw a lot of the announcements. Yeah. I guess it started, like, midnight our time. So I know a lot of people on the East Coast probably went to bed by then. But uh, I guess some of the some of the... Big things that came out of it is that uh, Monster Hunter Worlds is releasing in January, and that's actually going to be a worldwide release, which is a little bit surprising. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> they really seem like they're pushing this one for kind of more of a worldwide audience. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's switching back from portable to console. It hasn't been on there for a while. <laughs> yeah. You've actually played some of those games, haven't you? Yeah, I've played them since... What was it Freedom Unite, the PSP version of two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, got into that with some friends. They they helped me through it. Which <laughs> for that game series, t- playing with other people at the beginning really helps. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Does this one look interesting as a fan of the series? 
yeah, I mean, it's, I haven't actually looked into it ex- like as like exact fine details, but I mean overall, definitely really excited to get in there and hunt with some friends again. Yeah, I mean, for me, I haven't really played a lot of the games, but what I've been seeing so far from this one definitely looks interesting, and it seems like they might have kind of streamlined some of the things that, at least in passing, to me looked a little bit tedious or annoying. So I'm pretty interested in dropping into this. I think the only problem is it comes out like a week after Nino Kuni 2, which is one of my most oh. anticipated games. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they also announced, it kind of leaked a little bit ahead of the TGS stream, but Dragon's Crown is coming to PS4, which was, of course, the 2D uh, Vanillaware game with uh, very bodacious <laughs> characters. Yeah. Very exaggerated art in that game. <laughs> Very much. Even the guys were pretty exaggerated, too. Like the, uh, I guess it was, I don't remember, the knight. But the guy with the armor had a giant, you know, chest and everything. So yeah, kinda... if I recall, I think it was like his shoulder pads were just huge. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty exciting. That was easily one of my favorite games on the PS3. And uh, interestingly, it sounds like it'll actually be able to play online with both the PS3 and the Vita version. Hmm, that's interesting. So that'll be good, because that's, that's also a very multiplayer-focused game. Yeah. Uh, you kind of redo a lot of the same stages over and over again to earn stuff, but if you're doing that with friends, it certainly makes it better. Yeah, a lot of those multiplayer games yeah. definitely are better when you actually play them with friends. <laughs> like Destiny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one of Vanillaware's other upcoming games is uh, 13 Sentinels, which... They announced like two years ago, and then they kind of went quiet on it for a while. But uh, we got another trailer for it at TGS, and it definitely looks good. It, the trailer didn't have a whole lot of gameplay. It, was, it seemed like it was a lot of you know the cutscenes and stuff, but um, it seems to be a little bit more focused on the characters' relationships. But then there's also you know giant mechs, like you do. Yeah, giant mechs. <laughs> I guess the other interesting yeah. thing is that. They originally said it was going to be for Vita and PS4, and they actually there was a lot of kind of speculation that they were going to drop Vita with you know it kind of slowly going away. But it sounds like they're actually still working on the Vita version at least for Japan. Yeah, Japan's still getting Vita games, so pretty excited for that one. And then Noctis is going to be joining Dissidia on the PS4, which I guess was kind of a pretty obvious thing, you know, put characters from the new Final Fantasy in the fighting game, but. Yeah. Having played a little bit of the beta, I'm definitely interested in seeing how Noctis will play into it. Yeah, well, I signed up for the beta, but it, I didn't get in. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And um, it's kind of weird doing the whole, like, 3v3 combat thing as opposed to just, you know, 1v1. It makes it a very interesting for a fighting game dynamic. Yeah, I've heard some people do prefer the more 3v3 than versus the 1v1 of the original games because just the way combat can flow. Mm-hmm. It also kind of helps if there's, you know, a character that has, like, an infinite combo. Like, in the first city <laughs> on PSP, uh, Zidane yeah. had a fairly easy-to-pull-off infinite combo, and they patched it a little bit for the U.S. version, but you could still kind of do it, especially, you know, if there was lag, it made it hard to get out of. So now if, you know, you're trying to do a combo like that, someone else can... You know, one of your teammates can run up and hit him from behind and knock him out of the combo. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the last thing that I thought was interesting out of the TGS stream was that they're remastering Zone of the Enders, and it's getting PSVR support. The VR support was definitely interesting. It's like, that 
it's going to be quite interesting <laughs> to, yeah, a camera. <laughs> well, it looked like most of the VR was going to be, you know, in the cockpit of the mechs. Yeah. Which is a pretty big genre for VR, sitting in a, you know, giant robot. Yeah. But still, a little torn, because it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, someone's not uh, at Co- there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Konami kind of hmm, burning bridges, but I guess we'll see how they how they do with the port, the remaster. Yeah. And then I put this on here. I, I think they talked about it at TGS, but I don't remember if it was on the stream or not. But uh, a second Attack on Titan game got announced. So this was, of course, the giant Titan game that was on uh, PS4 and Vita, I think, two years ago. And mm-hmm. I, they're doing a sequel to that. Made by uh, Koei Tecmo. How was the first one? I never actually got around to playing it. It was interesting. It was, It's built on kind of the engine that the Dynasty Warriors games are built on. But obviously it's kind of the opposite of a Dynasty Warriors game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh... <laughs> that, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so it kind of plays that similarly in the sense that you have this giant map and, you know, you'll get a alert. Oh, this person's over here and they need help. And so you got to kind of go across the map to help them out. But instead of fighting a billion small dudes, you're fighting a couple of big dudes. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised with how well it controlled. Hmm. I haven't watched the anime and read the manga. It's one of those things that you feel like would be kind of hard to translate into a game. I feel like they did a pretty good job, actually. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's like definitely one thing. I'm like, I don't know how well this will control, but yeah, if you said they did a good job, that's nice to hear. <laughs> I mean, it takes, of course, it takes them a little getting used to, um, and liberal use of the lock-on definitely helps. But once you get used to it, it's kind of pretty, pretty fun to jump from Titan to Titan or, you know, zip around on the buildings and stuff. And then there was one more news article that you put on there. You want to? Oh yeah. So I guess just recently announced there's a, a PS4 port and like 4K remaster of the Star Ocean 4: The Last Hope. Which, I mean, sure, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> I've never really gotten into the Star Ocean series, so I understand that this one is not one of the better ones. Yeah, I mean, I, I really I haven't gotten into the Star Ocean series as much. I mean, <laughs> the one even before this, like, Star Ocean 3 was not also eh, the ending people feel weird about. But, uh, I mean, 4 was, yeah, not, not that great. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it hasn't been confirmed yet if they're going to bring this one over, but considering that the original 4 did, I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, I mean, they also mentioned a PC release, so a lot of PC releases seem to get Western releases. Yeah, I guess that's one of the main reasons they would do a PC version. PC's not quite as big over there as it is here, especially for non-visual novels. Yeah. So, and then uh, some feedback. We actually got a few emails since last episode. Um, one of them was from Patrick who says, hi guys, I hope you're doing good. I just wanted to say that you're doing great work on the podcast. It's a bit different from the main show, but that's a good thing. Both shows help me out on the boring drive that I have to do to work. Have a great time and keep it up. P.S. Looking forward to SideQuest 100. Well, (laughs) with once a month, I might take a while to get there, but goals, I guess. (laughs) And then, uh, one email from, sorry, I'm probably going to butcher this name. So fine, so fine. Sorry. <laughs> um, 
They say, I hear you bitching every time about how you guys not, don't get any feedback from listeners, so I decided to change that. So, Fane from New York here, I love your podcast because they're the only thing keeping me from extreme boredom while I ride the train from my apartment to college. So, thanks for doing what you do. Well, I'm glad we can uh, alleviate your boredom. <laughs> and uh, sorry if it comes off as like we're bitching. Um, I, because this goes up on the main podcast feed, a lot of it kind of goes through Glenn. So I don't really get a sense of like how many people are are downloading or listening. So sometimes it's just kind of like when Jason and I were doing it, it was like, you know, we're yelling into the void and we weren't sure who was listening or whatnot. But uh, I didn't mean to, to come off as bitching about it. It was just kind of a, a, a comment. Um, anyway, they continue. I've never wrote anything to into – I've never actually wrote to any type of show um, – so I don't know if I'm doing a good listener listener letter, but I hope it's decent so far. I actually played Journey for the first time yesterday, and it became my number one favorite game of all time. So I wanted to hear what you guys think of the game. Also, I've been talking to a few of my friends, and we came to the conclusion that Ubisoft is actually trying again now, with South Park, Mario and Rabbids, Beyond Good and Evil 2, Far Cry 5, and Assassin's Creed's Origins. What are your thoughts on the new revamped Ubisoft? Their new logo, their E3, their recent consumer-friendly announcements? I like the announce the direction they're going, and I was hoping to ask your opinion on the matter. I don't know. What do you think about uh, Ubisoft, Wyatt? Uh, I mean, I guess they're doing good. I haven't looked into too many of those stuff, except I mean, big standout for me is Beyond Good and Evil Two because I've been yeah. waiting for that for a while. <laughs> that one looks sweet. Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember. Like they announced it as what, like a multiplayer game though, so that was earlier. Something slightly off about the announcement. Well, the biggest thing was that it was just like a cinematic, and they were like, yeah, we're just now starting work on it. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess it's going to be a while for for that to come out. Yeah. But I don't know. I've, I I talked about it a little bit on the E3 shows, I think, but I feel like Ubisoft actually had one of the strongest showings at E3 this year. Just their show felt pretty heartfelt, you know, good games, uh, good kind of pacing with the announcements and everything. As compared to, you know... Sony, which was just kind of like, here's a bunch of trailers, and uh, Microsoft, which was like, here's a bunch of games that I don't care about. Yeah, Sony's press conference was weird in that it was just like, they, it was like just trailer after trailer with like no actual talking, which, I mean, some people enjoyed. Yeah. Which, I mean, also the weird part was that they had like, their pre-show actually had some of those kind of things where like they were talking with, the developers were talking, but yeah, that yeah. was odd. <laughs> yeah. I just, I remember like years ago... When Ubisoft had uh, Joel McHale hosting their E3 conference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, and the other thing that's weird, I think, about Ubisoft is that it feels like they're kind of two companies in one. Because you have the Ubisoft that makes, you know, Far Cry 5 and uh, Assassin's Creed and all those big games. But then you have this, like, small Ubisoft that makes, like, uh, Child of Light and the Mario and Rabbids game. So I feel like they kind of have a good dynamic where they get both the big games and the small games, whereas I feel some of the other studios, you know, EA tends to be like, all right, here's our big blockbusters, and that's about it kind of thing. Yeah. Mario and Rabbids is, interestingly, one of the few games that is kind of pulling more towards getting a Switch at the moment, and it's it's weird because I don't particularly care for Mario, and I've, like, never played any of the games with the Rabbids, but just, like, watching some of the gameplay videos of that, it looks pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, apparently it's... I mean, the gameplay is nothing like either of those characters' uh, yeah. games. <laughs> More like XCOM or, you know, Disgaea yeah. or one of those strategy RPGs. Uh, and then one last email from Harrison who says, 
Hey, Jason and Andy. Well, uh, I love the Side Quest podcast. You two do an awesome job. I'll ask a simple question if you don't mind. With the success of the Switch, is PlayStation crazy enough to release another portable device? If so, how do you envision it? Breakaway controllers, TV docking station, etc. And what killer game would you want on it? Well, I guess in place of Jason, you'll have to help me on this one. What do you think about PlayStation doing in a, another portable device? Uh, it's... I, I don't know. It's, they've definitely not had the best success. I mean, it seems like they have some alright success with the Vita in Japan, at least, but mm-hmm. definitely not catching on as much outside. Yeah, yeah it was kind of weird, because PSP actually did pretty well for them. I mean, it wasn't the runaway success that the DS was, but it certainly did well, well enough that they obviously tried to make the Vita. And I feel like they talk a lot about how the market was what failed the Vita, but I feel like in a lot of ways they made some mistakes too. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was entirely them because there's definitely a bigger portion of people that are now moving to phones and stuff, but... Um, yeah. The proprietary memory cards were not the best move. Exactly. And trying to market it as a console on the go when they really didn't push that as much as they could have. Yeah, I mean... I was going to say, like, the console on the go thing is a problem when you're also actually releasing those games on the PS4, and then people just sort of buy them on the PS4. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they tried it with a few games that weren't on the PS4 that were exclusive, you know, the the first Uncharted game on there, and uh, Killzone that kind of came out late in the life cycle. Yeah. In comparison, the way the Switch does it, it's like, hey, we have console quality games because we are a console, but we're also... Portable. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know that Sony could would do as well trying to compete directly with the Switch when they've already got PlayStation 4 out. Yeah, especially because Sony tends to try to focus a little bit more on straight-up power. Like, the Switch works pretty well because Nintendo didn't try to uh, put too much into it. Like, you hear from a lot of devs that it's powerful, but it's not, you know, it's obviously not PS4 powerful. And that's actually fine, because, you know, when you're playing games on the go, it doesn't matter that you're only at, you know, 720 resolution, because you just have that, was it, 5 or 6 inch screen? Yeah. So I don't know, I feel like if they were going to do one, they would probably need to do it sooner rather than later. Like, the longer they wait, the more that Nintendo kind of cements in, you know, their dominance in that, that market. Um, and I kind of doubt that they were positioned to have something ready to go, so I just I don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, I actually was going to say it's like if they wanted to do it, they'd need to wait a while, I think, for some better tech to come out to make it more, of, like, so they could actually release something that would be more of a power competitor in that space. But, yeah, yeah I, I don't too. think they really should try right now. Maybe if they could get something out that they could do, like, you know, PS4 games on the go, as opposed to, you know, a completely new system. But I I feel like the power consumption on that would, like, the Switch is kind of bad with its battery life. It would be even worse if you're trying to run PS4 games. Yeah. I mean, I think the device they're really focusing on now is VR. Yeah. And they just announced uh, the other day that there are over a million VR units sold, and they kind of outline some of the games coming up for the next few months. So it's been a slow burn on that, but it's definitely one of their focuses at the moment. 
Yeah, I think it's better for them to just focus on the VR and not try to also do portable and as well as all that. Mm-hmm. They just need a portable VR, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what, uh, what was it, uh, Google Cardboard? Yeah, or the, the Samsung Gear. Yeah. That's kind of a completely different market than what PSVR and Oculus and all those things are doing. Yeah. All right, well, that was the feedback we got. Thank you for sending in emails. I was very surprised to get not one, but three emails. <laughs> so thank you very much. Uh, why don't we move on to what we're playing? You want to go first, Wyatt? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest thing I'm, I just recently started playing was, or playing again, is the Final Fantasy XIV just came out with a pretty major patch, for, uh, patch 4.1. And, uh, yeah, it's been really fun getting into that because the... Uh, main scenario is actually pretty decent for a uh, point X patch. It's really nice to uh, see where they're taking characters, as well as the uh, the new twenty four man raid. Is uh, man, if you've played Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy twelve, I mean even Vagrant Stories, that world there are that there are a lot of references in this new raid for fans of that, which is really nice. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I know, Andy, you you bought the game, but you never did log on and join us. Yeah, I picked it up because it was like 15 bucks or something on Amazon, and I think I can see it sitting there in the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other big thing this patch, I know, a lot has uh, generated a lot of salt on the internet, was uh, the new uh, housing ward in the... Uh, in the new district, yeah, um, a lot of people logging on at pa- uh, when the patch went live, trying to get a house. Not as many people got a house that wanted one. I know you guys were staying up. Did you guys end up getting the houses you wanted? Yeah, we. Uh, I mean, we're on Goblin, which is like one of the lowest population servers. So, yeah, we managed to get in, get um the medium houses we wanted. One of our guys was going to try for the large, but, yeah, that didn't happen. But, I mean, <laughs> that that one was, like, the most desired plot. And I was just like, yeah, that's... I mean, he, he managed to grab uh, a nice beachfront medium, but, yeah, at least we managed to all be in the same ward. Nice. It's kind of weird that, you know, virtual residencies seem to have <laughs> same issues. Like, oh, it's so much hard to find housing. <laughs> Well, yeah, one of my coworkers has been trying to buy a house here in Arizona, and apparently the market's red hot at the moment. And he was, like, putting in offers the day the house went on the market and still getting snubbed by their people. What, what about that uh, new raid? Do you have 24 people that you normally play with, or do you do, like, some kind of raid finder? Oh, no, yeah, you do uh, duty finder to find other people. So, yeah, I mean, like, the normal full-size party is eight, and uh, so for this one you get, like, three groups of eight together. And, uh, I mean, I found it pretty fun. It was, I mean, (laughs) we first tried it Tuesday night, and, I mean, definitely interesting that there are already people talking about, uh, how it's like, it's like trying to quit, and it's like, uh, this is the day this content came out. People are still learning. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we managed to, I think we completed it last night just because, like, Tuesday night... We had to stop, but then, yeah, scheduling. Managed to finally get our group together again last night and got the completion. Cool. 
But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I will say that also with that housing rush, as a crafter, making a lot of yell. <laughs> <laughs> so many people buying housing items. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, I guess, yeah, a lot of nice uh, quality of life improvements across, like, UI options, as well as, I mean, I know it wasn't this patch, but also, like, it's nice to have my Chocobo and Dominion out at the same time. But, yeah, it's like they've definitely made a lot of improvements in, like, uh, this new expansion. That's pretty good. I mean, when you're paying a monthly subscription for something, it's nice that they kind of keep it updating. Yeah. I feel like, you know, Destiny is kind of the closest thing that I do play. And you tend to go through droughts where it's like, all right, I've pretty much finished everything. And I'm going to kind of slowly tail off until something new actually comes out. Yeah. I mean, that is actually one thing about, um, like, the director, uh, Naoki Yoshida, is, is actually, he, he says, like, hey, if, if you don't feel like you're getting enough out of this, feel free to unsubscribe for a month or two and come back when a patch comes out. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't want people getting burned out. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, very easy to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I will say anyone who is not, uh, or, like, hesitant about an MMO, I mean, this is pretty single-player friendly. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. I mean, there are times where you have to queue into a dungeon with some other people. I mean, the game, you can use the duty finder to have the game find other people for you, and generally, people are pretty nice. It's like it's not too toxic of a community. So I mean, I, it's like oh, this is a really great Final Fantasy story, which I know some like. It took me a while to get into it because I wasn't into MMOs, but I mean, it's. I would really recommend it if you were into Final Fantasy. How long does it take to, like, catch up to the current content? Because you're talking, like, two expansions and four oh, or yeah. five years it, worth of stuff. <laughs> it it definitely takes a while. If are They actually, in 4.0, just introduced um, leveling potions and story skip potions. But to me, I, I wouldn't recommend doing it because a lot of it, the game is or at least for me, a lot of the appeal is, like, the story and the characters. And, I mean, I will admit, the uh, the base 2.0 story can slog a bit, but it can really pick up. I mean, it's... I know that's kind of hard to recommend for some people. Like, hey, you know, just w- play through this until it gets good. But, again, it's like, if you do it with friends, like I did, like we all started at the same time, it can help get you through it. But, yeah, I mean, it's... I know it's hard to recommend things where it's like, oh, just get to a certain point and then it gets good, but I I really would recommend it. It is a mm-hmm. great Final Fantasy game. Cool. Anything else you're playing recently? Um, Let's see, what else am I playing? Uh, I mean, play, we're playing Destiny 2 together a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, that's been kind of slowly tailing off, at least for me. Yeah, but... same here. It's Their end game is, needs some work. Yeah. I still log on a couple times a week to do the raid or yeah weeklies. Um, I mean, the first time we completed that raid was really satisfying. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then now it's like we can just like knock out the raid in an hour. Yeah, I was very surprised how quickly we kind of mastered the different parts of that raid. Like, yeah, it's very technical, but I feel like once you get the technique down, it's usually yeah, it's... not too hard. It's a lot of, it's like, yeah, it's definitely like mechanics, but then it's like, yeah, once you learn those mechanics, you can pretty much just execute them. I guess the weird thing is when you're playing with other people, like, even if they're experienced, 
if they're not your same group. Um, like I was playing with Dave and some of the other guys from the clan one week, and we were on the gauntlet, which is one of the more technical parts of it. And it took us a little bit longer just because you know they had a different order for you know where, who you shoot, which um, arrows you shoot, and it took me yeah. a couple times to be like, all right, I need to shoot to the left and then to the right, and then, yeah, stuff like that. But when I jump in with you guys, this group I normally play with, it's like, oh, we all know our role. We all just get there. Yeah. I mean, the gauntlet is actually, it's just like, it's a funny um, thing or way to, like, look at the rate, is that the gauntlet is literally split up into, like, an ad phase where you just gotta, like, make sure you survive the ads, and then a mechanics phase. It's like, there's, like, no mechanics while fighting or, like, ad spawn while you're doing mechanics. It's, like, just purely separated. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to, in the Prestige version, if they're going to add some enemies while you're doing the running phase. That would be pretty rough. <laughs> Especially yeah. if they're Scions trying to knock you off the platform. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I hope uh, no one from just... Bungie listens to this. <laughs> Bad ideas. It just reminds me of all the people saying in uh, in Destiny 1, like, oh, for the hard mode King's Fall raid, they're going to add those taken... Um, Phalanxes to push you off of the ship jumping puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting, to say the least. But yeah, um, let's see. Another game I picked up uh, is uh, Gundam Versus, which is, I mean, I don't exactly play that that game competitively, but it is just really fun to have like nearly a hundred different Gundam uh, universe mobile suits available to play as. Mm-hmm. And it's like been playing that with some friends. It's just like, yeah, one of my friends is definitely a lot more skilled than the others. So we kind of like trade <laughs> off him? who's fighting him or who's like actually like, okay, yeah, you're you're paired up with him now. So yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> What's your uh, favorite suit to use in that? Let's see. I mean, it's still adjusting a little bit because like in the previous version, a suit I really like to use was the uh, Banshee, but. Mm-hmm. Some of the, like, little changes to it, I mean, I still kind of like playing with it, but it, uh, not exactly getting as optimal as use out of it with its changes. Yeah. For my playstyle, but yeah, it was definitely one of my, one of my favorite suits. But yeah, and then, uh, I guess also, yeah, was, uh, playing Yeast 8, which was really fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, I mean, I don't know, it was just, that game was, it's like, you really felt like you were lost on an island. Yeah, that was one of the big things that I was talking about, because I finished up my review recently, and I thought they did a pretty good job of kind of having it feel like you actually were a bunch of people cast away on an island. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best things about that was that there was no actual monetary currency in that game. You didn't just have, like, enemies randomly dropping money. It was like, yeah. en- enemies dropped materials, and, like, you could actually, like, trade in materials for higher grade materials, or uh, to get upgrades, and, like, yeah, it's like you trade materials for your armor and your weapons, and I-, I just felt that that was a really nice detail, that they didn't actually just have, like, currency throughout the game. Did you get the one event with the uh, merchant chick where she gives you money, and you're like, what do I do with this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like, wait, money? What? <laughs> I guess the, the other weird thing is, like, so they have the merchant, and of course, like you said, it's all trading. 
But then it's like, where is she getting some of these items? Like, these are high-level <laughs> items. I have trouble fighting these enemies. And they're on the other side of the island. Like, where is she getting this stuff? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's store magic for RPGs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, of course, the whole, like, you know, we are trying to survive, so why should I have to trade in stuff? Can't you, like, you know, just give me what I need so I can take care of things? But... Whatever. Yeah. I mean, they did give that shopkeeper a personality of definitely trying to make a profit always. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. At least with, like, trading in for the armor and the weapons, it was just, like, it made sense that it was, like, they were using those items to enhance your armor and weapons. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Except during the one st- portion of the story where the tailored chick was not there, and it's like, oh, yeah, you can still do that stuff. It just, she finished all the outfits, you just have to, like give her the stuff for it, even though she's already done, so it kind of breaks down the logic, but... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nitpicking a little bit too much. Probably. But you haven't really played any of the uh, East games before. You said you played, like, a little bit of the one on Vita? Yeah. I I played, like, a couple chapters of that, but then... I mean, it's not like like I stopped playing because I hated it or anything. I was just, like... uh, a lot of other games at the time. I don't even remember what. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's like, my backlog is so full. <laughs> I know that feeling. As I stare at, like, five games sitting on my next to my PS4 that I haven't even touched. Or that I've only played, like, a little bit of and want to play more. Yeah. But, yeah, that's about it for me for recent games. Okay. Well, for me, uh, obviously, East 8 as well. Um, in fact, kind of part of the reason why uh, why it's on the the episode here is because we kept we were both playing the game kind of around the same time and around the same pace. We kept having like these big discussions about the the plot and stuff, which we you know don't want to spoil on here. But it was like you know we should just kind of record this stuff. <laughs> and then uh, Destiny Two as well. Uh, I've only got two characters up to snuff. I I kind of want to go jump in with a third. The only thing is that I don't want to do that first like two or three hours and i'm yeah. kind of hoping at some point they'll do a patch it's like okay when you're starting a second or third character you can skip that stuff i mean you can always hope <laughs> yeah that whole mission where you can't run you have to walk very slowly and there's nothing else like yeah i'd kind of rather not do that but but anyways um and then i talked about it last episode uh dj max respect so, originally the game had songs from two of the previous games and then some new songs. And in the past uh, couple weeks, they actually had a bunch of DLC that came out that added a couple, um, like a dozen or two songs from the PC game, DJ Max Trilogy. So, of course, I bought that, and so I've been playing a little bit of that here and there. It's one of those games that, like, if I don't play it for, like, a week, then I'll jump back in, and I definitely feel like my reaction time is slowed, and it's hard to kind of play the songs and it takes me an hour or two to get back into it and by then my thumbs are starting to get hurt from playing it but it's been one of those nice games to kind of boot up for a little bit in between other things and then i got the review for marvel vs. capcom infinite which of course the latest uh mvc game very interesting reaction to this game online a lot of people were kind of hating on it before it even came out just because capcom's been a little bit on the Dropping the ball on Street Fighter Five, and then the way Infinite looked, like, the characters' faces look kind of funny, and they dropped a bunch of favorite characters and stuff like that. 
So I was trying to kind of go into the game with an open mind, and I think it's actually it's not as bad as people have been harping on it for, but there's definitely some deficiencies in the game. Um, you know, people are sad that Wolverine's not in it, and that's kind of a glaring omission, um, as well as the fact that all the characters that are in there, a lot of them were in uh, MVC3, or at least the updated version of MVC3. So it's like, okay, you know, I've seen Dante before, and I've seen, you know, Chun-Li in a bunch of these games. Um, there's only, like, two or three actual new characters, which is kind of unfortunate. Especially when, like, some of the new characters, like the Monster Hunter character, are all DLC. So, but uh, as far as mechanics go, I've actually been uh, enjoying it. It's been kind of fun to learn some of the systems, and they really kind of focus the game on tagging in and out. So you can't, like, tag in a character for just an assist attack anymore. You have to tag them in permanently. But they've also made it easier to do that, so a lot more combos kind of focus on tagging between your two characters and that kind of stuff. Definitely feels like they kind of gave it the essence of MVC. It's just missing a few of the the things around the edges. And then uh, just this week, past couple days, I started up Cyber Dimension Neptunia. It was the latest in the Neptunia series, of course. Um, <laughs> kind of one of those funny... Japanese things, because the subtitle of the game is Four Goddesses Online, and this is not an online game, it's just imitating an online game. So, like, you're jumping in with the characters, and they're supposed to all be playing an MMO, but in reality, you're just playing a single-player game that does have an MMO, or it does have an online component, but the most of the game is just single-player. So it's like they're talking about playing with other people online, which is kind of weird. And one of those subtitles that you'd be, like, thinking it was an MMO, and it's actually not... Um, it's got an action combat system, which makes it kind of weird coming from East 8 to this, because it's not nearly as fluid or, you know, it's not as easy to, like, dodge enemy attacks as it is in East. So I've definitely been kind of, I don't know if that'll end up, uh, hindering my opinion of the game, but at the moment it's been kind of making it harder to get into. So I just, I see a wind up for an attack and I'm like, oh, I can easily dodge that, and then I press the dodge button from East and it doesn't do what I want it to do, and... <laughs> Oh, button confusion. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I think I was, when it was like, in one of my Gundam matches, I did a string of button presses that was a combination of but the correct button presses for Gundam, Yeast, and Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, playing too many games at once. It's like, yeah, confused controls in the moment. Well, it didn't help that I was... Probably should have changed it, but when I jumped into East, I didn't, like, change the default com uh, controls. I just kind of left them what they were. And so they had a very unusual control set where I think, like, cross was attack and jump was circle or something like that. And that's not normally what it is, you know, like in Destiny and Neptunia. Like, some of these games, jump is on cross, and so you're going back into Destiny and pressing the wrong button to jump and... <laughs> Probably should have changed it when I started, but then, like, halfway through the game, I was like, alright, well, now I've already gotten used to these controls in this game. So now I can't change it. But yeah, that's about it. Uh, kind of, you know, a little bit of stuff on the side, but as far as big things I've been playing, those are, those are it. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the single player, but playing online. It just totally made me think of Dot .hack. Yeah, exactly. But at least, like, the .hack games didn't say, you know, .hack online at the end of the game. Yeah. 
Whereas this one, I feel like people who are reading the title of the game, you know, Four Goddesses Online, are going to go, oh, it's an online game, when in reality it's not. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we'll take a break and then come back for what we're watching and uh, the anime of the month. Welcome back to the second half of the SideQuest podcast. We'll move into uh, what we've been watching. And uh, I guess I'll start us off here. So uh, I talked a couple episodes ago about uh, Hyoka. And the second half just came in a couple days ago. So I've been watching that. Um, This is the show about a high school literary club where they kind of solve mysteries around the school. Um, different little things. So, like, in this arc, there's a section where someone's been stealing things during the uh, culture festival, and they're kind of tracking down who did that. Um, very, very cute show. I really like the characters in it and kind of the way they interact and play off of each other. Um, like, the main character is the one who's really good at solving things, but he's not very motivated to do so, whereas the female lead is very motivated to solve things because she's incredibly curious, and she's kind of the driving force behind getting him to put his brain power towards things. So really kind of fun dynamics between the characters. And then, uh, I guess it was about a week ago, the movie for No Game, No Life, uh, which was called No Game, No Life Zero, was uh, in theaters here. So I went down and saw that. Um, <laughs> kind of kind of an interesting experience because... Uh, they were doing it for only a single night for the dub and a single night for the sub. And um, I tend to prefer the sub, so I went to the sub showing. And we get in the theater and, you know, lights go down. Thing comes up and it's a – you hear the dub voice actors. Well, like everyone in the audience starts kind of groaning like, uh-oh, did they give us the wrong thing? Um, but it turns out it was just kind of like a recap of the series and for whatever reason they just, you know – did the dub for that. So they, they get through that. And then the director of the dubbing process, like, shows up. Like, live action, not, you know, the anime. And he starts talking about, oh, I loved working on this project before, and I was excited for the movie. And um, so everyone in the audience is like, this is kind of weird. Like, okay, I guess they're just, you know, setting up the movie before they actually jump in. I'm like, okay. So, so he talks for a little bit and how excited he is and all that kind of stuff. And then one of the dub voice actresses pops up, and she's like, oh, I loved working on this project. And everyone in the audience is going to start, like, really starting to get confused. Like, are they, like, doing interviews before the movie starts or something? And it turns out they were. So for about 20 minutes before the movie started, they had, like, a series of interviews with the dub uh, voice talent for the show talking about, you know, working on the project before and then working on the movie. And it was even weird because... Several of the interviews were talking about, oh, I love the ending to this. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't talk about the ending. We're about to watch the damn thing. <laughs> so everyone in the audience was like ready to riot each time a new person would show up to be interviewed. Um, fortunately, after you know the 20 minutes, then they, they jumped into the actual movie and that was dubbed. And there was like people cheering when uh, the subtitles showed up. <laughs> but yeah, the, the movie itself was pretty good. It's actually... it. It's kind of funny that they gave a recap of the series because it's not directly related to the series. It takes place like several thousand years before the series takes place. Um, so the show was about 
uh, a couple of kids who end up in this alternate world where everything is solved by games rather than violence. And the movie kind of goes back to before that was the case and kind of talks about how everything happened that made the world the way it was. So it was, it was pretty good. Um, kind of weird, you know, not having the same characters in there, but you know, new cast and they were all pretty good. And then, uh, another thing I picked up came in a couple days ago was uh, called flying witch. So I think I talked about this also on the podcast back when it was airing like a year or two ago, but it was a pretty good show. And, um, Ended up picking it up on Blu-ray, and it came in, and I figured, you know, being Halloween, or almost Halloween, it's fitting to watch a show with Witch in the name, even though it's not at all, <laughs> like, yeah. horror or spooky or anything. Yeah, the, the the Witch in the title is about as halloween as it gets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I, the first few episodes, she basically doesn't do any magic besides flying on her broom, and then when her sister shows up and it's like... Oh yeah, she's a beginner and she actually doesn't know a whole lot of magic, so that's when they actually start having like some magic in the show. But I, I really like the kind of laid back uh slice of life anime and this is, you know, a pretty good example of that. Yeah, I remember watching that when it was airing and it's just yeah, it was nice to like put that on at, like right after I got back from work or something, just to like relax. Yeah, it's been my um while I'm eating dinner after work show. It's kinda like all right, I had a hard day at work. Now I'm going to watch something that, you know, just kind of makes me smile. Uh, and then, not strictly anime, but um, we've talked a lot about Star Trek on this show. And I have been watching uh, Star Trek Discovery. Obviously, the new Star Trek series that's been getting a lot of opinions in both directions recently. Um, partially because of the show itself and partially because it's only available on that CBS streaming thing. <laughs> It's interesting. I don't. I went in with very, very low expectations because of how troubled the development was, and the first few trailers were kind of meh. And I've actually been pleasantly surprised. I, it's not going to be up there as far as you know my favorite Trek series, that's for sure. But at the mo for the for the most part, I've kind of been enjoying seeing a different side of things. It's very different from a lot of the previous Star Trek series, especially. Like it, at most, it's similar to Deep Space Nine just in the fact that the last part of Deep Space Nine was obviously the whole uh, war arc where it was very serialized, and this one's similarly serialized. Like, the whole first two episodes are kind of a backstory on how a war gets started with the Klingons, and from there they're kind of going through different steps of the Federation. It's more episodic later episodes, but still um, a lot more serialized than you would have seen in, you know, Next Generation or whatnot. And kind of alongside that has been uh, The Orville, which is Seth MacFarlane's kind of knockoff Star Trek. I know uh, Glenn and Josh have talked about it a little bit. It's been a pretty interesting show. I I watched the pilot, and I was not too impressed with it. Um, but the later episodes have been a big improvement as far as you know, getting the characters characterized. And then you can kind of tell that it's being written from a place of understanding like the history of Star Trek and what it's been about historically. They have a lot of very Star Trek-esque, like, twists, um, which can make them seem like, you know, you know where they're coming from. Like, you see this ship and you're like, oh, I know what's going to happen because I've seen Star Trek before. But at the same time, it's kind of comforting to, to watch a show like that. Um, they they poke fun at it a little bit. It's not quite as, like, parody-heavy as I was initially expecting. Like, I guess I was kind of expecting Galaxy Quest, and it's it's not really that. It's more of 
it's more of tribute with the occasional parody kind of thing. But it's been That's pretty enjoyable so Galaxy far. Galaxy Quest. Huh? I was, I was saying, it was funny you mentioned Galaxy Quest, because I think they're actually in talks about making a TV series out of that. Yeah, I think I've heard that too. I would not be opposed. That was a a very good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we still uh, quote it occasionally when we're playing games. You know, someone dies, it's like, by Gravathar's hammer, you shall be avenged. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, that's... A lot of things I've been watching. Obviously, the new season of uh, anime just started. I really haven't jumped into a whole lot of shows yet, so I don't feel like I'm going to talk about those. Um, But I did want to talk about Made in Abyss, because that finished up since the last episode. Oh, that last episode. (laughs) Yeah. I put it on the list, and then I'm like, well, how do I talk about it without spoiling anything? (laughs) Because, I mean, I already talked about it a lot last episode, but it it was a really good show, and I really liked how they wrapped it up. They gave a good conclusion without kind of ruining their chances at doing more in the future. So I thought that was pretty well done. I think my only real complaint with the show is that they had a character who was in the ending theme that didn't show up until, like, episode 10 out of 12. (laughs) I was like, why is she in this thing the whole time? Now we only get, like, a small glimpse at her before the show finally ends. Yeah, those character spoilers in the openings (laughs) and endings. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I still think one of the best examples of that was um, Gun Sword, or Gun X Sword, as it's written. And it was one of those shows where, you know, they're fighting a shadow organization, and, you know, he's fighting a bunch of different people throughout the show. And they actually took the time to, like, change the opening theme as new characters were introduced, and then as they were killed off. So, like, before they were introduced, they'd be kind of, like, grayed out, and you couldn't quite tell what they were. And then after they got killed, they would have be, like, silhouetted, so you could, like, see what they were... But, you know, now they're they're dead and not in the show anymore. So but that was one of the few shows that kind of avoided that without having, you know, they had they had the characters in the opening when they were relevant, but didn't spoil things ahead of time. Yeah. I remember, oh, what was that show? Uh, some show, it was just like they, there was like five different uh, mechs on the main character team. Uh-huh. But, so it's like they had like the five mechs in the opening but they didn't actually put the pilot picture in the opening until that person got in their Mac. Ah, nice. So, that was a nice touch. I don't remember what show that was. <laughs> Might have yes. been multiple shows, too, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I also really enjoyed Made in the Abyss, and yeah, really really don't want to actually talk about the final episodes, because don't want to spoil that, but I will say, one of the things that I, just like when I watched that first episode, just... I don't know what it was, it's just like, for me, it was, it just seemed like there were a lot of possibilities with the show, which is what what I really like to see in, like, opening episodes. Like, when I I think I gave the plot synopsis last time, and it's it's kind of hard to describe the show without going a couple episodes in, just because the first few episodes are aimless, but not in a way that's uninteresting. Like, you're like, well, I could see the show going a few different ways, and then finally in, like, episode three or four is when she starts traveling down into the abyss, and you're like, okay, now I see the direction the show is going. But it was no less interesting after that point either. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, that was the other, it's like, I mean, it's like possibilities about where the show's going, and then once it does get going, it's like possibilities about what they're going to discover. Mm-hmm. And that was actually one criticism I was, or not criticism, but, yeah, I guess it was a criticism. One person I was uh, reading their kind of review of it and they were almost a little bit upset with how much they did explain in one of the last few episodes. 
just like they wanted it to be more mysterious, like what the abyss was. And they're like, if they does get another season, like I kind of hope that they don't go too heavy into explaining everything because you know part of the allure of the show is just how how mysterious what they're going into is. I can see that. But yeah, so that's what I've been watching recently. Other than Made in Abyss, what about you? Or if yeah, you want to talk more I mean, about Made in Abyss. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, can't, I think we've talked about enough as we can without getting into spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I, I've watched a few episode ones from this season, but nothing's nothing that I really want to talk about yet. I'm just sort of just trying to get a feel for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, except for, I mean, from last season... There was, uh, let's see, come up some of my highlights. Uh, oh, Hero Academy's second season ended. That show is really nice. <laughs> I need to watch I that mean, show. Yeah, I mean, it's like some people might get just turned off by the, like, shown any of it, but, I mean, it is just a really good show. I mean, it's not the most groundbreaking, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll admit, but it's just, yeah, it's just really well done. And, I mean, it, it does really go, in, like, in, an, in a society where, like, everyone has superpowers, like, what does it actually mean to be a hero? Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, I just can't wait for season three. I guess a little bit less parody than uh, One Punch Man, as far as yeah. lots of superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, less, not, not really parody, but just, yeah, really going into it, and... I mean, that's the other thing. It's, like, with, like, everybody having superpowers and the way some of them works, it's just, like, again, it's like I said, I like possibilities. Like, the possibilities that people have with some of their powers, it's just, it's really nice to see. Hmm. Um, let's see, what else? Um, oh, also finished this season, Recreators. I know, I, I mean, it's <laughs> also good. It's, like, talking about how we view media and stuff. Yeah. I, mean, they, they, I mean, it was fun. I know some people have the criticism that they did a lot of talking at some point, <laughs> but I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I mean, I'm also someone who enjoyed Dot Hack Sign, which was also a lot more talking than action. Yeah. But I mean, they. I, one thing is that the ending was also really solid. Like, I wasn't sure that they would be able to pull it off, but they did, and mm-hmm. I will say that I'm. <laughs> that was definitely something of a worry going into those last few episodes, but I, they managed to pull it off. Yeah. Really well. What did you think about the fact that the entire like last third of the show was the quote unquote final fight? <laughs> yeah, they they as I said, like sometimes they were like talking a little much during that fight, which I know some people might not like, but mm-hmm. I I think it was worth it. Yeah, it was just I just thought it was weird because you know they're posturing this as the final fight and i'm going all right i'm pretty sure this is a two core show so there's (laughs) there's you know a good eight episodes left like is this actually the final fight and then (laughs) like you said the show kind of got a little bit talk heavy even when they were fighting and of course uh, a few twists here that here and there at the end some uh late show and character introductions and stuff but yeah i also had a weird thing with the episode count i think it would only like 22 episodes, as well as like, yeah, they took like a couple weeks off near the middle and showed some, I think they showed some specials like only in Japan, so they never showed up. They here. had that, that one episode that was a recap, but it was like the one character talking over the recap. <laughs> and that was actually 
pretty well done just because they reanimated a few parts to change how she was telling it. And she was like, she was obviously telling it to make herself look better. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, they, they re- reanimated it. So she had, you know, uh, she was more well endowed and, you know, prettier. And she's talking about how, how she saved the day. And it's like, wait a minute, that's not how it happened. <laughs> so I yeah. thought that was pretty well done as far as a recap episode goes. Yeah, I do appreciate it when shows actually, like, do something with their recap episodes instead yeah. of just, like, hey, here's the scenes again. Yeah, here's a although, show. <laughs> yeah, although there is some uh, merit to doing that because then you know that you can 100% just skip that episode. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I loved it when, um, what was it, Kill a Kill did their recap episode in, like, 30 seconds at the start of an episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I remember watching that and be like, ah, oh, it's a recap episode. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we got that out of the way. All right, move on to new stuff. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Another show I liked from this season, though this is definitely huh, more in the... Uh, it's, yeah, I'm not sure everyone's going to like this one, but I mean, I enjoyed uh, Nights and Magic. I mean, I like mechs, so yes, of course I enjoyed this show. <laughs> But, I mean, it's it can very much be something that people won't like if you don't like Max. But, I mean, one thing I liked about the show was it, it's it's not a serious show. I mean, they kind of have, like, you know, like, serious bad guys and stuff. But, I mean, the show goes at a pretty much a breakneck pace. Yeah, it's the like, whole way through, like, too. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I I think it works for it. Because, again, not a serious show. They just, they just keep going. Like, the character just, like, keeps inventing new me- or ways to improve, like, the mechs they have or totally new designs. And, I mean, it's it's just... It was just kind of a fun watch for me. I mean, if you... Even if you just like engineering or something, like, not necessarily mechs, it's, it was still quite a fun watch to see how the character was uh, improving technology in that universe. Mm-hmm. I guess my only real complaint was that he felt a little bit thin as far as a character... It's like, oh, he just happens to be good at everything. And they curved it a little bit, like, during that one scene kind of near the middle where they're like, yeah, he's good at inventing, but he's not good at, like, refining. And that was, like, one of the few times they kind of yeah. felt like they gave him a bit of a flaw. But I don't know. Oh, yeah, that was that was another good point in the show. It was just like, yeah, it's like, yeah, the main character's definitely good at coming up with, like, high-spec stuff. But then they show, like, other characters that are good at figuring out how to mass produce production what he came up with which you know i mean mass production is not going to be as efficient as his stuff but it's definitely something a lot more people in the universe can then use and then Mm -hmm. also it's a little more cost efficient and yeah it was a good balance there when they introduced that yeah yeah it was an interesting show it was yeah and then Let's see. I mean, one thing I'll mention from this uh, currently airing, I mean, only because it's season three, but, uh, like, Shokugeki no Soma, which is another food show, but it's kind of a, like, the shonen food battling show. Very different than Restaurant from Another World from last season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, it's like I enjoy just for, like, the, like, high energy and just mostly, like, the good... Um, feeling from the characters it's not i mean obviously there's competition but none of not a lot of it was like too negative which i mean <laughs> the other thing i'll mention i mean yes it can get fan service heavy but it 
tries to be pretty fair between both genders, which, I mean, it's it's mostly just all the reactions from eating the food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the third season, so, I mean, might have to do a little catching up if you want to watch it, but I did really enjoy it. Did you ever play the uh, Senran Kagura Bon Appetit game? I have not really played anything in that series. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a rhythm game crossed with a cooking game. Well, <laughs> I say cooking game. There was actually no like actual cooking element to the gameplay. But like while you were doing the rhythm game, your characters were cooking. And then the judge would eat your food, and he would have these like crazy over-the-top reactions. <laughs> like, you know, he ate a squid, then suddenly he's uh, swimming in the ocean with some squids and, you know jumping out through the air and like, oh my god, it's amazing! (laughs) (laughs) So that's always what I think of when I think of overreactions to food. Yeah, I mean, that's... Stuff like that pretty much happens in Soma. (laughs) Cool. Well, I guess uh, we're up to the uh, anime of the month. And uh, I offered to let Wyatt pick, but he said he wasn't sure. (laughs) So (laughs) um, I went ahead and did another one this month. And I went with uh, one of my favorites from... Around, I want to say 2006 or 7, a show called uh, Planetess. So I said before that I kind of like those laid-back slice-of-life shows. And this one's interesting because it's a laid-back slice-of-life show, but in space. Um, So obviously I'm a big fan of sci-fi and, of course, you know, science in general. I mean, I make rockets for a living. Um, And this is basically the the premise of the show is that in the not-too-distant future... Mankind has gotten to the point where they can, you know, reasonably live on the moon and we have space stations and space tourism is a thing. But there's a transport that's going up to the, one of the space stations and it gets hit by a small piece of debris and basically, you know, kills everyone on the transport. So the nations of the world decide that they're going to basically force all the companies that are running these space stations to clean up orbit because, you know, all this debris poses a an issue for uh, travel in space. And so it follows uh, this character who joins one of these trash crews. um, And she's kind of the newcomer in this group of people that have been doing this for a while. This takes place, you know, a little ways after that accident, but it's a very, you know, it's not a profitable job for sure. Um, It takes a lot of energy and a lot of fuel to go pick up this trash and they don't really get a whole lot for it, obviously. So it's, it's kind of playing off both, um, this kind of dead end job, and then this newbie who's kind of new both to space in general as well as the job, um, and it's just a really well put together show. Um, they actually do a great job of kind of keeping in mind the real constraints of space travel and keeping things as realistic as they can. Um, for example, you know most shows you see you know a space battle. And you're outside the ship, but you still hear, you know, the laser sounds and, you know, debris hitting the ship or whatever. And in this show, whenever they're outside the ships, they have just the background music. So they purposely don't put in sound effects. And then when they kind of zoom in, occasionally, you know, you're you're hearing, like, what the person in the space suit would, suit would hear. So, you know, they can hear their own breathing. They can hear the things over the comms. They can hear maybe, like, uh, the vibrations coming in through um, the tether to the ship, stuff like that. But they're not hearing, you know the meteors outside, you know, colliding with each other or whatever. Um, so they, they definitely, like, went heavy on keeping it as realistic as they could. Within, you know, reason, obviously. This takes place, like, 2075. So they wanted to kind of have technology advanced a little bit. Um, 
but tried to keep things a little bit realistic. Um, also, like, when the ship is going between places, it's not like, oh, we're just going to thrust from here to there. You actually kind of see in the background that the pilot is um, charting different uh, orbits in order to get where they need to go, rather than, you know, the very inefficient fuel way of, like, flying straight there kind of thing. So it's a lot of little touches like that that really make it uh, a, a good show, just on top of the fact that the characters are interesting and the setting is interesting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I actually I read an interview once, and I sounded like the director of the show actually pushed them to like increase the key animation count when they're doing like space scenes, just to make things that much more fluid and make it that much you know more believable. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a really great show. Uh, it kind of loses the slice of life just a little bit in the second half. They kind of slowly introduce a few running plots. Um, around a ship that's going to be going to Jupiter, and then there's, like, a terrorism subplot. And there's a a couple interesting episodes that kind of explore what it would be like to be a third-world country when the rest of the countries of the world are, like, actively traveling in space with tourism. So, like, you know, how would a third-world country get ahead in a situation like that? Stuff like that. So it's a very thoughtful and interesting show and definitely one worth checking out. (laughs) The only problem is that... Because the show came out, like, right after the anime bubble burst, the DVDs are, like, damn near impossible to find. Like, I I actually don't own the show at the moment. And I was, like, thinking about putting this, you know, on my list of shows to do for Anime of the Month. And I was like, oh, I'd like to buy that. Well, the DVDs are, like, 100 bucks or something, maybe even more than that. And that's if you can find them in stock. Like, I was looking on Amazon. They just, like, weren't on stock. And uh, as far as I'm aware, I don't think this is available streaming anywhere. So, a little bit harder of a show to find, but if you can find it, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I need to check it out myself. It's been on my backlog for so long. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen it on the top of quite a few sci-fi lists. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, I really need to get around to watching this, but uh, I think I'll bump it up to the top now. <laughs> I would definitely recommend checking out the uh, opening theme on YouTube if anyone has an interest in the show, because it's a very cool... Um, you know, the typical anime stuff like interspersing, you know, the characters running and stuff. But then there's also, they've animated key mo- moments of uh, space development. So, you know, you see like Werner von Braun setting off a rocket and they have like a, a clip of uh, Apollo mission taking off and stuff like that. They have a nice segment where they're showing the different size comparisons of a bunch of famous rockets. So they they really pay homage a lot to the history of space travel. It was also kind of funny because when this show was airing, um, I was taking a, a orbital mechanics class in college, and my professor, she was actually she had worked at JPL, and part of her job had been identifying space debris because they know that it's going to be an issue. You know, if we start getting more and more people going into space, that there's going to be more debris, and that means more chance of things you know hitting a crude capsule. And there's only so much you can do when you're talking about things that are moving you know kilometers in a second, kind of thing. So it's very interesting to be, have the show at the same time I'm kind of learning. I was learning about that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I guess that's about it. You got any uh, closing thoughts, Wyatt? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a shorter episode, but didn't quite go as heavy on the news. I feel like the news has been, except for the TGS stuff, it's been a little bit light. You know, no one's putting out news now that all the games are actually coming out. 
Yeah, we're hitting holiday season. People are focusing on releases more than news, I'm assuming. Yeah. Anything coming up that you're excited for, game-wise or anime-wise? Um, I, I don't... It's like I dropped a couple of hints of something we picked up on it, but uh, definitely looking forward to the .hackgu remaster coming out at the beginning of November. Yeah, and that was something we talked about in the last episode, and neither Jason or I had played it. So are those those good games? I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, I mean, it's the GU series, so it's a little. It's, they, they refine the combat more than the original series. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I mean, yeah, you can dive into the GU series without uh, too much knowledge. You miss some references, but I mean, I don't know why that the entire Dot Hack universe just really captured me in some way. I don't know. I just I really liked all the interconnectedness of all the different stuff they put out. Mm-hmm. So were the animes related to the uh, games as well? Or was it uh, kind of separate? Well, it gets a little weird. Um, the For the original series, Dot Hex Sign was actually uh, I think it actually I can't remember if the dates were a little mixed up, but it was like the end of Dot Hexign does literally sort of go into the beginning of the first game of the original series. Oh, interesting. As well as for for the GU series, though, or I should say, Dot Hexign dealt with some other stuff. It didn't actually deal with any of like the main characters except for like one mm-hmm. uh, from between like the the anime and the game. But um, for GU, it gets a little weird because. <laughs> the very first game, or so for the first game for GU, you play sort of an intro mission, and then the anime for GU Dot Hack Roots actually starts right after that intro mission. Huh. <laughs> and then uh, because in GU it's like you do that intro mission and then it time skips, and then like that time skip is where Roots takes place. Weird. Yeah, I mean it's not. As necessary, and unfortunately, um, <laughs> uh, if you actually watch the Roots anime, don't watch like the last two, three episodes because they actually spoil something for the second <laughs> game. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think in they mentioned in the remaster, they'll actually be uh, including a, a summary of the first games or the first series of games. So oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, the other interesting part, too, is that, like, the GU series only had three games in it, and they're actually adding a fourth game for this remaster. So, it's a remaster collection with a completely new chapter. Well, that's nice. So, yeah, I mean, that was, like, surprising for me, and I was just like, oh, this, can't wait to get back into this. I wonder if you'll have to play through the other ones to get to that one, or if you could just jump straight into that one if you played them on PS2 or whatever they were on. Yeah, I'm. I don't think there's any way to transfer your saves from the PS2 version. Yeah, yeah, I I wouldn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting, but yeah, I don't think I don't even think they're selling that uh, USB PlayStation memory card thing that they did for the PS3 anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like I, you could definitely get it onto a PS3, and then cloud save it to the PS4. Question. <laughs> I, I don't know. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I'm actually like, even if they let me jump right into that fourth chapter, I don't know that I want to right away or not. How long are those games? Um, 
I it's been so long. I don't remember exact play times and if you actually. I mean, like, do just in general, are they like you know, stuff? thirty forty hours or like hundred hundred hours? Uh, I guess probably closer to the thirty forty hour mark. Okay. Yeah, it's like if you do all three of them, probably yeah, that hundred hour mark. It's a nice chunk of uh, gaming time. Yeah. I guess that'll be a pretty good package then for the price. So I yeah, want to say it wasn't even wait. it wasn't even full sixty bucks if I recall. I don't know. I placed my pre-order a while ago. I don't even remember the price. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe it was you know fifty-nine bucks, or whatever. But yeah, but uh, kind of hoping Dot Hack can get a resurgence from this. It'd be cool. All right. Well, I guess we'll call it for episode sixteen. So uh, if you want to get a hold of the side quest, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can of course email us sidequest at psnation.com. Um, like a couple of fine folks did this week. There's also the uh, Twitter account, at SideQuestCast. And then, of course, this post will be both on the PS Nation page as well as on the forum, so you can respond either to the uh, forum post or as a comment to the uh, post itself and usually read those. I guess I might have forgotten to check the comments on the post for this week but for last time, but I usually check them, so um, feel free to leave a comment there. Let us know if you uh, enjoyed having a different co-host this time. And uh, I guess get out there, play some games, have a great one. This is, this is where you say goodbye. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. Bye. All right, well, bye. Bye.